mentioned like not random, not procedural, but have like some sort of yeah. um like branching narrative, I think is probably a, a good way to to put it in kind of similar to what The Pathfinders needed to prepare a campfire as the bitter cold blew harder, and air grew colder, threatening to diminish all hope of a flame. There was strength in the flame and vigor that came from gathering around it. The flames of old bound the soul in the righteous strength of the phoenix, from whom great magic was possible. With this reminder, the Pathfinder and his companions gathered around and focused on the creation of their central flame. Welcome to Ashes Pathfinders, your dedicated and trusted Ashes of Creation podcast. Join us as we share in the journey that reignites the embers and rekindles the flames in the hearts of those long left to cinder. I am your host, Phoenix, also known as the Morgan. I'm joined today by my returning Pathfinder. Welcome back, Daedalus. Hello, everyone. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, everyone. Welcome in. I know we're going to be we're, we're going OG style on this podcast today. Because uh, I think uh, Half Tilt's got some holiday stuff going on still for a little longer. Um, I think we're going to be trying to get Pasha back on hopefully here soon. Um, Basil, whenever he can, he could join in. I almost brought my my Twitch partner blanket, a little cozy blanket, and I forgot to grab it and wrap myself in it just to to, to like be in the cozy Faisal spirit. But um, yo, before we uh, dig in too far, I got to give a shout out to the home of this podcast over at asheshq.com, the community curated website for all things Ashes of Creation. Also, shout out to all of the Imperial Flames, which are the supporters here on Twitch, YouTube, Patreon. Thank you for keeping this community's flames bolstering greater week after week, friends. Um, now, to get started, not really any updates coming to you from Ashes HQ this week. Um, there will be a uh, outline coming this week, though. Um, and I always encourage people to go over to our Ash at the HQ YouTube channel, go to the, uh, you know, the intro video there. It's the Ashes HQ and you and go, go drop a comment. Welcome people into the Ashes fam. Uh, so they kind of get a taste of what the community here is all about. Um, also, you can call in to leave us a, a voice message here at 1-539-664-6801. Um, you can leave us an iTunes review of five stars is greatly appreciated. If you leave a comment with it, we will read it here live on the show. And if you're going, but where can I go? And uh, wh where's the link? It's over there pinned to the top of our feed on Twitter, over at Ashes Pathfinder on Twitter. Right there, you'll find all the links to all of our podcasts places you can also shoot a message over without doing any of that stuff to ashes pathfinders at gmail.com and our pathfinder grunt somewhere out there in the world of bear will get that to us probably when they're good and ready like a punk peon would but that's okay we put the boots for um anyway <laughs> daedalus man how how were your holidays man since the last show how was your how was your new year Good, good. Yeah, I mean, it was it was uh, been relaxing, kind of min doing minimal work uh, with being on vacation. So it's always good to kind of get catch up on some personal stuff. I have been, you know, uh, removing myself from being under that rock and actually catching up <laughs> on watching Game of Thrones over the past couple nice. of weeks. So been getting pretty dug into that. I know that's a you know a little late but better late than never and really enjoying that so uh, i've been doing that um and just enjoying the holiday season so absolutely how about you 
Yeah, I uh, had a really good Christmas, had a good uh, New Year day. I actually spent the past two days um, working on my a new setup. So I added like a new SSD to this computer. Um, it's a MoBeta SSD, faster, installed a new, my operating system on it, had all the file uh all the file migration I had to do. Um, I'm currently actually working on taking my other rig, um, which is where the Streamlabs bot was actually running. And now it's actually running right here. So I've got control of it here again, and it's actually running off of a portable U, uh, USB drive that you can use to have your SSD in. So I've got a, a pretty wicked setup. I'm running everything from right here, all off of different SSDs. I've got a place for everything. Um, but it's great because I also did a big revamp to our live stream. So you will notice that all of these Twitch live streams that we do, specifically for this podcast, since we're talking about it, will now be offered in 1080p um, as well. So you can get the higher resolution, higher quality, um, at, you know, for if you're here during the show, obviously, this is a place to catch all the shenanigans. Not going to have a whole lot of visual references for our show today, but um, Christmas was actually like 70 ish here. And then a week later, like in the past two days, it's just decided to get like really freaking cold. And like last night, I think the like low was like 14 degrees or something crazy. And I'm like, oh, my God, no. Oh, I did watch something cool yesterday, though. Um, I don't know if people are Harry Potter fans. I, I enjoy the story. It's pretty good. They had this like HBO was it HBO Max, I think is what they call it. Uh, it's the oh, yeah. Streaming. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Dude, I went and I watched that there yesterday. I was like, oh, shit, man. It hit me in the feels. It was like really well done. I mean, it was like a really big look into like, you know, what like they all kind of what their experience was as they were creating the shows and like how the book aligned with it all. And um, man, it was a pretty, it was a pretty good show. So I enjoyed that. I, I've been, I've been taking the past week, uh, to just relax. And I got like one more week of somewhat downtime. Um, I enjoyed a lot of like, you know, streaming ESO the past week game with some of the homies. Um, yeah. What's that? Oh, hi, Def shine from Sims noggin. That's right. Homies a little bit, little, little bit of that shine off the light bringer right there. As I'm gonna call my bald head from now on, just look. We're going to refer to it as the light, the light bringer. Nice light bringer. <laughs> yo, yo, let the, let the light bringer shine, baby. It's not freshly shaving today, but it's doing its work anyway. <laughs> oh man. Um, I'm actually getting ready to take my other rig though and, and make that my brother's rig. So yeah, been doing a lot of like, you know, reworking computer hardware and all that, but it's been, it's been nice. It's nice to have like this feeling of like a fresh slate. Um, speaking of fresh slate, doing a fresh slate start with my guild that I was running. Virtue is actually no more. Technically, it doesn't exist anymore. Um, the guild's going to be relaunched sometime in the near future. So people are looking for uh, a guild, um, basically looking for a bunch of, uh, you know, friends that you can make and you can enjoy games together. Well, that's probably something to look into and now someone will be posting a discord so you can join us on discord.gg forward slash simorg and that's where the ashes pathfinder stuff is at the other podcasts looking for more stuff all the content the community stuff around ashes all the stuff we do here team discovery channel it's a running joke from the other day what's the new guild name gonna be team discovery channel i'm like um probably not that but you know it's a it's a fun it's 
all the all the the, the the virtue members that are still hanging you know they're like they're like team discovery channel and i'm like all these like random names i'm like i'm gonna go with uh respectfully probably no but yeah it's a year of new beginnings man and uh we talked a lot about unreal engine 5 and uh, the community has had some really amazing conversation. Uh, last week, I had a really badass conversation with a lot of people in the Ashes category. Um, the community overall, I think the community sentiment um, behind uh, the news uh, from Ashes of Creation uh, that's, that was released at the end of 2021, uh, it, overall, it looks very positive. Uh, a lot of other creators have been covering it. Uh, I've seen a lot of positive reflections from them. Um, I've been, you know, kind of like paying attention to Discord here and there and, and sort of like social media posts and things like that. And overall, and the people that hung out that day, the, the community sentiment seemed quite positive, actually. Um, it seemed like it was very, very positive. If you like, what do you feel like you're, you know, some of the reflections are things like that that you've gotten from people have been. Yeah. I mean, it's been pretty positive um, that I would say, I think um, I did actually end up watching a video lazy peon did mm -hmm. on the subject. And I think he, you know, as usual, he's um, been pretty measured in his feedback. You know, there's definitely, he felt, and I think he agreed with a lot of the points we made around the longevity of the game and it mm -hmm. being the best choice, but obviously he still, was looking for maybe more specifics around like what that actually means for the timeline. And I'm sure we're all thinking that as well. Absolutely. Uh, but in the long run, I think, you know, he also agreed benefits outweighed the, you know, the potential like, you know, upfront delays. Um, and I would say that's been the sentiment that I've had in talking with others about Unreal 5 um, and, and the switch there. I mean, it definitely feels like it's, to me, it's the right move, and they yeah. showcased it really well. I just continue to build on that momentum. Yeah, I agree with that. I think specifically the momentum. I think the one of the things when we were talking about, so I haven't seen that video. I, I clearly need to look at it because he's done a stellar job of covering the game uh, for years now. Um, he's probably no, he's he's. I would say he's he's the largest. Uh, I think maybe aside from Asmogold, who's also covered it. But I consider Lazy Peon's coverage to be very different uh, as opposed to being reactionary. He's like actually gone through. He had that 30 minute one. Remember that like mm -hmm. was a year, year and a half ago now was a big reason for influx of a lot of new uh, community members. And he had like 30 minutes where it was like broken down into chapters and outlined all of the basically what you need to know about the game if you're interested in it. And he did a comprehensive outlook or sorry, overview of of the game and everything and so yeah i was like um you know i always really like the videos he does and stuff and i need to go check that out because um but i do agree with the the community sentiment bit uh so a lot of people on tuesday also were reflecting on uh the importance of some sort of a uh, outline and my my perspective on an outline is what i've said before and i'm gonna say it again is that i I completely understand their stance on not wanting to give us a tangible timeline to, to, to basically set expectations on this is when things are going to happen. They've, they've done a really good job of being very um, cautious about that. 
in the past, um, specifically around even Alpha One, uh, even when we had the Alpha One uh, time timeline set and they had to delay. Um, but so I, I understand not having like a really tangible timeline on this is what's going to happen by this date. But I think something even as vague and un, unstructured as these are just the things that we need to check off our list before we can set a date and give you all some sort of a date. These are the things that need to happen. There's no date attached to that. There's no date even attached to what those things are and when you expect to have them done by, but just maybe sort of like a working list and checklist of things that we need to get done. And then when they do their development live stream, they can be like, so in regard to this list, these are the things that we've accomplished, what we're working on. And then that way people sort of have this gauge as to um, what that progress bar is looking like. And I think a progress bar approach as opposed to maybe, you know, goals and like dates is probably something I think would be a nice middle ground if they were to do that. Um, so if they were if they were to listen to this and they were to you know take any feedback from from like what we have here, I think that overall it seemed like a lot of people on Tuesday specifically were were actually uh, pretty, pretty in agreement on that, uh, I think so. Um, that seems to be a consensus with most of the community members I've come across is they'd be really happy with that. The pretty understanding of the other part too. Um, but yeah, anyway, big takeaways, people got them definitely share them. I want to hit on a few of the takeaways from people that responded to our last show. Um, so Jacob over there said, I'm thoroughly excited for this game. It's going to be refreshing with a new MMO where everybody starts from square one. So many new things to learn, especially like the communication between the players and the makers. Keep up the good work. They give us a thumbs up to the show. So much love from Scandinavia. Much love to you too, Omi. Mick Mac Muck overall basically said uh, that, you know, it's a big positive seeing the Unreal Engine 5 change. Uh, Vale also said with the time they'll lose up sorry lose upgrading to ue5 the gain in efficiency in the game should release said june 2023 so ooh, there we are with the uh the expectations but again i i don't think that a, a summer 2023 is a is a real unrealistic guesstimate it's it's basically if you ask me what do you think is the best case scenario in regard to like when the game would probably launch I would if I was to make an educated guess, I think summer 2023 is a pretty solid choice for more than one reason. Um, even once the launch party in Vegas, you know, summer celebration seems like a good time. Uh, Might I, I'd be a little warm. Maybe they should shoot <laughs> for spring. <laughs> you're, like, <laughs> you're like, nah, man, so we can push that back just a tiny bit, yo. <laughs> um we we did talk about one of the now if if you aren't in the know or in the green here go over to Ashes HQ. There's articles now being posted. I'm covering in bullet point format all of the outline stuff and things from the development live stream. One of those stuff and things was the character creator. They talked about how in what's the first several months or so, the next several months they're planning on sort of showcasing a character creator. They almost want to get community members involved in utilizing it, maybe like a community challenge of sorts to here's, here's someone's face, see how close you can come to, to making it. You know, they talked about that. And I've seen some community, community discussion around the character creator, the uh, character customization. So I think that's a good question. Um, we, we don't, we haven't talked about that one specifically here in a while. I, I've always been kind of, I think from my perspective, a little bit more, um, 
I'm reluctant to even really talk about it too much because I felt like it was way too far away. But now when they talk about it being in the foreseeable future and it being somewhat closer than it probably has ever been now, it's a good question of what do we want from a character creator? I know a lot of people want a lot of depth. They plan on delivering on a lot of depth. But what are the musts for us? Now, granted, this doesn't mean that they're supposed to do what we want. But as a consumer, as a player, what are the things that are like, this is something really important to me and a character creator. I really feel like is I need to have that. Well, do you have a list? Do you have some thoughts? I definitely have some thoughts here. Um, and and I, I don't know if I would go so far as to say must, but I just think like in general, this rule of thumb should apply. And it's like anything that we can do to provide as many options as possible without it being overwhelming. Um, this some of the things that I think about that might add more air quotes character, right? You know, uh, pun, pun intended, um, would be like, you know, scars, like, you know, ability to like, you know, uh, you know, have like one eye blind or like different eye colors, um, you know, on each eye or, some sort of like tattoos or something, right? Something that allows people to really just express their uniqueness um, that way. I mean, I'm a big fan of, and no offense uh, intended here, but I'm a big fan of having different types of hair options. Uh, I think, you know, while bald, bald is beautiful. It sure is. Def- definitely. Yes. Um, it would be nice to have different kind colors of like hair options and just, just different ways to nuance character looks i think would be good i mean i go back and forth between having a lot of those slider options and i'm not talking about you know the the meme slider options we all hear about but like different things where like you know you raise and lower cheekbones and all that i mean again that could make it more complex but i think one of the things they talked about that i am really happy about is the fact that you can export and share yeah um so that would be a must for me. I would say, you know, things that can make characters truly unique, like with different tattoos and scars and whatnot, and an ability to kind of export and share and save. I think those are just ways that you can really get people engaged in creating their character and investing in their character beforehand. I mean, you're going to definitely have players who just want to get in and going to hit randomize a few times and then just hop in. Right. I'm definitely not one of those people. <laughs> I know there's a lot of people in the community that aren't either. So I would definitely love to be able to see those kind of options Uh, for me is like, again, things to make a character really like truly unique. Um, And one, maybe one last bit, I would love to see an age slider um, to be able to go from like young to, you know, more mature. I think that would be a great way um and if they can make that work and make it look good as opposed to what i've seen in some of the other mmos which didn't really end well um i would love to see something where that really kind of does a great job and i think you know with ue5 that's a more realistic idea is to be able to do something like that yeah i think that the uh the age slider really always has always in every game i've ever played where that's been an option it it never really feels like I guess it's gradual enough, if that makes sense. It always feels mm-hmm. like there's like the two polarizing in, ends of looking well aged and just looking young. And then it always seems like that middle area 
it just there's like no real variation. It's like you get about a, a third of the way in and then the next like 40 to 50 percent of that slider is almost exactly the same. Yeah. And then it's like you flip a little bit harder towards the other end of the polarizing end. You're like, that just seems it doesn't seem that great or that well done. Um, even in like the Elder Scrolls Online, which has a pretty good character, like a customization option. I think it was better at, in its time when it launched. Um, but I, I guess I leave the question to a lot of people too. Like what are, you know, whether you're listening, watching this, you know, always chime in. It's it's important to get feedback and community sentiment here. But what what are character creators that have been done really, really well? Right? When I think about them, I always find that even the ones I've thought have been done pretty well, it always feels as if some area just is a little lackluster. Right? Where it's kind of like the aging slider. Um, I think with the Elder Scrolls Online, I like the most isn't so much uh you know like the adornments and things of that nat- nature they have some pretty good like tattoos and like you know facial hair and stuff they do keep it relatively within that races kind of like you know set of options um but you know i think scars and things of that nature are really important but i always like that they're they're the the majority of the physique features in that one are pretty good because you can do you have a pretty good range and variety in regard to physique without it getting too ridiculous um like arc ridiculous anybody who's played arc knows what i'm talking about um but um i think a character creator yeah i look i like bald is beautiful and everything but um i do i do often you know when i when i tend to play elves i have a specific sort of look that i go for with them um and it's usually like long hair you know, uh, a little bit of facial hair, but, you know, you'll be in some character creators and it's like there's no option for facial hair for the elves. You know, or you get into a game and there's no beard option for the dwarves. Well, that's clearly not going to be the case in Ashes, but, you know, it's some of these things that thematically, I think when you think of like. When you think of D&D. The possibilities are pretty 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 endless in terms of how you want your characters to look within a then a certain frame framework of what that race's options are supposed to be um so i think i do leave that to the community like what are the the do's and don'ts the the musts the must nots um outside of that i think just give us a good range within what each race has as possible um I do think it's pretty cool when you can do like you can play like an elf like I did and you can make it seem um, you can make that elf look less elf like I do that in the Elder Scrolls, right? The only way you can tell my character is an elf is because he's taller than most races is their height is a thing. And because of the fact that um, he's got pointed ears, but he usually doesn't have his pointed ears showing, so you don't actually see it. So when you look at him behind the emperor helmet that I've got on him, right? You look at him and you look at like my imperial, like it, their facial hair structure is really close. It's really difficult to tell. You could tell a little bit in the eyes based on like eye separation stuff, which is again due to like race, but it's really hard to tell. Also, partially because I have like a skin on and it makes it tough to tell, you know, 
eye color and shape and stuff like that too but it's it's really difficult to tell but i like there being like enough range to where if i want to look maybe more human and role play that like i'm in half elf or something that it's a possibility um you know or being a bit taller as a dwarf or something like that um which kind of takes us into another discussion point and i'm gonna actually link this one this was a forum discussion which i thought was actually a uh, pretty interesting by thorny devil um overall the topic is pretty pretty simple i'm going to read through it because i think there was a there was a reference point that was important it's simply titled class fantasy and authority devil said i really hope this game does well from launch one thing i find unsatisfying in current mmos is that classes are either too restricted not enough choice or lack class identity this one rang true for me pretty hardcore and i'll make some references on that we all will but he said so far the 64 classes to choose from which i think it's important to reference it's not 64 classes to choose from it's eight classes that can be augmented eight times each but overall the combination totals for the game is 64 so said the concerns that he has though is in regard to class identity they seem to appreciate the fact that Intrepid's going for this like Archage type of class combos, which it is. It's pretty expansive um, and it works somewhat similarly in Archage, though, instead of it being you have a primary and you augment it with a secondary. It's actually you aug you have three total classes that combine that create the archetype um, or three total base classes that combine to make the archetype. But he said that the concerns go to class identity and Archage, you hardly get a feel for the class. I mean... I would agree with that in regard to like the fundamentals, like the, the base archetype doesn't really have like a strong sense of identity, it has a strong sense of skill set. But I never really get like that class identity component. So, you know, when we think about something like the Falconer, which I saw somebody actually did a another post there, which was a theory craft on augments and, and ideas that they could go with and everything. Um, they they go as far as creating skills. Um, um, this was like from True Sivraj or something. I think that's the right name. True Sivraj, I think is their name, is the person that did the Falconer theorycraft, which I actually appreciate that theorycraft. It's pretty fun. Um, so I'm going to post it too, just as a shout out, because I thought it was well done. But yeah, some thoughts on class identity. Like what could Intrepid be doing to ensure that they don't hit that marker? Well, I mean, I think being completely like honest i i don't feel like it's realistic for them to tackle an identity path for every single class variant which at the end of the day mm -hmm. when the team talked about the augmentation aspect of the secondary class it was more of a variant mm -hmm. um that said i mean i would love to see that being built on in the future maybe not necessarily at launch but in the future because I my mind goes to the node development tech and how different conditions create different scenarios within the world. Mm -hmm. um, I do, you know, see as you know a potential option whether or not Intrepid decides to go down that path or not. It would be nice to get some maybe more flavor or variant variants to quests. 
based on what your secondary is. Now, like realistically, I I don't see that happening at launch, right. but I would like to see like each of the main archetypes mm-hmm. have some sort of arc, at least like for the, you know, first gameplay up through an expansion type update. I think that would be good to see. I mean, I always go back to like my WoW example in terms of class fantasy and, you know, very early in, you know, vanilla, there wasn't a lot there that made me really feel like a paladin. I'll be honest with you, except for the epic quest for the horse. Um, And kind of at, I believe it was around like level 60. I believe it was a level 60 quest. Um, That was from like, from my perspective, probably one of the most like well done I can use my skills and really like feel like a paladin because I was using my skills to progress a quest and I do feel like something like that would give us a strong sense of identity for our archetype now whether that flavor can be done like you know in the example that you know the the poster shared uh around the falconer does a you know falconer play with the falcon Potentially they could, they could have an augmentation that says like all their, any of their pets could have a certain skin or something like that. I don't know, you know, what, what they could potentially do there, but personally, I just don't think it's realistic while it would be really nice. Um, And I think there's some potential with some of the tech they have as a baseline. I just don't think it's realistic. I mean, but I, I would like to see a very distinct path, especially with the, um, you know, with the eight, uh, base classes to yeah. do that i mean i want a class quest for a summoner that feels markedly different from a mage markedly different from a cleric markedly different from a bard right those are the things that i would say that in my opinion would fall short of expectation if we didn't have that mm. now whether or not you know uh, you know a, a spell like you know spell sword or you know or a paladin have a different type of, you know, different type of, I guess, variant in terms of quests and whatnot and class feel. Again, like from an identity standpoint, that's where I would say, you know, it, it that's going to be tough to do, like at, in kind of the open world. I think it can be definitely done with augmentation, right? You can have certain um, cosmetic looks to spells, maybe certain effects that might be more unique to you know, one class variant versus another. Um, and that's where I think they're, you know, probably going to go. I just I just don't know how... Right now, I don't have enough information to know how in-depth they want to go. I mean, right. I know there's they're pretty ambitious, right, in what they want to do. Obviously, with 64 different class variants, that is pretty ambitious. Um, but, like, again, making them feel different, I think, is is definitely... a a big task Um, and i think it can be done in a few different ways it can be done Mm. with augmentation it can be done with quest lines yeah Um, it can be done with interactions with npcs but again it just depends on like how they want to approach that and how much of that's going to really be available at launch because i think what would be really neat to be able to see post-launch and as we get into like future years and expansions and whatnot is seeing more quest lines like open up that are related to your class yes and maybe building that out um or again depending on you know 
different nodes that are in play or not in play kind of having that i mean i think that again the tech's there to do that and if they have an ability to and i know this is a dirty word but to gate content Mm. then there is definitely a possibility that you could open up new paths as you progress in the game as the game gains maturity as well yeah i think the um I think for me, it's the narrative 100% with, I think, second, I think with the, I think narrative primary, right? Uh, and I think you can do that through building the narrative around your base archetype. Um, so if I think about something like a, a tank, and I know that later the cleric has a secondary augments that turns a tank into a paladin, yeah? So, well, how does that work? Well, what's a tank by, like, inherently? like sort of a protector they they sort of uh they're there to shield others to provide like some sort of support what is a paladin like inherently there's element of that to a paladin isn't there so if you take a tank and you build this narrative around or if you build upon that narrative for a tank and then you expand upon that with later later with narrative quests and the acquisition of augment augmentation or skills that are then modified and and giving meaning behind why those augmentations are things that you're now able to tap into um, and maybe taking up an oath as a paladin. Well, then you sort of piggyback off of the tank archetype. You, you then you expand upon the paladin narrative and then you've got meaning that's delivered in a, in a meaningful way without having to really sort of like have this. I don't want to, I don't want to say cookie cutter, but it, it would feel cookie cutter if it was like, here's your blurb for this. If you pick this, this is what you now are. And I think doing the narrative approach is much more meaningful. Um, I, I think about World of Warcraft too. I think about those like uh, the Warlock or the Druid or the Paladin. You know, when you acquire your mount or a tabard or you get kitty form or you get your, you know, your, you know, whatever, your new uh, summonable demonology pet or something. Like any of those things, if you deliver a narrative uh, behind how that's acquired, um, even if it's just like the first time, because I can understand how if like someone's like, oh, well, I want to like change my secondary. Am I going to have to go through this narrative every single time? That would be too taxing. We know that's not the plan, but maybe the first time you want to acquire that as a possible um, uh, secondary that you can augment, maybe you do go through like a narrative quest. Maybe do you have to go through some sort of like rite of passage to to unlock that gives you like gameplay uh, playability, gives you more content, gives you more narrative options that potentially could unfold for the individual. We've talked about it for a long time too. the narrative being something that could tie into uh, the player base. Sorry, let me reframe that. The narrative being something that the player base can have some individuality uh, tied into it where like. I could be running around, something sort of pops, I sort of acquire it along the similar path, but because of some set of circumstances, this became available to me. Um, I don't want to say so much because of chance, but I think that there can be some sort of randomization for how that goes without it being a procedurally generated thing that's randomized for a person. Mm -hmm. For example, season, zone, character, class, race, and current augmentation or lack of augmentation. I mean, those set of circumstances in the right place at the right time is a chance. Not really. It's sort of like outlined that it'll pop, but you had to be there. You had to be the right race, maybe the right level, 
right? The right class, right season, right actual zone of influence in the specific area of the world. That's not really randomized. It's the right set of circumstances in that situation. Which then also would tie into uh, the meaningfulness behind node destruction, you know, things like that. Things like beyond the beyond just talking about um, because a world boss is locked behind a node's zone of influence. And because this is a metropolis, this boss sort of exists, this dungeon sort of exists. And so, you know, you sort of expand upon that and go, yeah, well, also, if you're like um, a human, a Kalar human um, tank at max level in the summer, you came through this particular area in this zone or in this zone of influence and boom, popped. And now you've got like things that are outlined on the wiki or Ashes HQ where it's like, well, there's we're aware of this quest arc that exists, this narrative arc that exists for um, the tanks if they want to acquire whatever that is. And it could be that it's the chance at a legendary weapon. I mean, even, you know, we talk about legendaries and then being craft, uh, creatable, craftable, et cetera, and maintained um, and decay and all that, which sort of brings me into one of the other discussion points that we're going to uh, hit into here in a little bit. But you know, it gives people reasons for meaningful conflict too. Like if I know that there's something that could be acquired here, the only place in the world that it's even possible, but the right set of circumstances have to exist in order for it to be acquired. That kind of yeah. stuff for me is a big, is a big, uh, a big win in terms of uh, reason to engage in the game. Yeah. The Druid yeah. class quest too. And wow, really good content. I agree. Wembley. Yeah, I, I agree as well. And I think one thing that's important here as well as breadcrumbs too is like, do we, I mean, do we have the right balance of like something that's maybe more linear versus like breadcrumbs and you have to put the pieces together? I mean, again, it shouldn't be, hmm. I would say, overly complicated yeah. to declare your secondary class. I mean, I, I would yeah. expect not. Um, but it should be something that, like you said, has some sort of, um again i don't want to say you you mentioned like not random not procedural but have like some sort of yeah um like branching narrative i think is probably a, a good way to to put it in kind of similar to what you did is like the more we can kind of have that kind of thing and say okay if we similar to how we're building out quest lines and mapping out quest lines where the broader game is we need to think through what are those conditions that would make sense for players in, you know, acquiring their secondary, right. what would, and again, I mean, in those situations, right, you could have subtle differences and those details would help drive the story too. Like you said, if like, if, you know, I'm, you know, creating a character and I have, you know, an elf character or an orc character, you could have the quest giver, you know, be located in different areas of the world and be that race, mm -hmm. right? Or, yeah. um, you know, something of that nature, right? Where, Or if you have, like, I'm, you know, a mage variant versus a cleric variant on a fighter, right? I could, again, maybe visit that appropriate cleric and or mage, you know, class hall or something like that so there's there's different ways you can do that where it doesn't necessarily um make it overly difficult but it all but it does make it very relevant too 
um, and have like, again, some sort of randomness to it uh, as well. I mean, one of the coolest things that I think I experienced in the alpha was that first time you got the, I believe it was the dungeon quest where you see this dark hooded figure oh, right. just appear and disappear. Yep. Right? That's good. It's things like that that give me some ideas to say, okay, that could potentially be like a way you could have a breadcrumb is like you have a ghost, like yeah. you come upon a ghost or you come upon, you know, maybe um, a wagon that has been destroyed and like there's like people been murdered and you have to go investigate, right? And that that might be people you needed to hook up with related to your quest, but it, then it goes like there's a plot twist, right? So there's different ways, like you said, with the narrative, you can really... um you can really create variation and have it be interesting still. And it could be, again, right, depending on how, um, I don't want to say complex, but how much they implement that type of branching tech and other aspects of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, that's ways you can really do it. And again, it doesn't have to be everything all the time at launch, but it can be like in the future. Maybe it's like your class identity quest is pretty. Um, I don't want to say linear, but your class quest is interesting, but it doesn't necessarily end right at that. It maybe gets to a stage of completion um, in that first release. And then as expansions come out, you get more variation to that or something new comes up. Right. And maybe there's you know an additional augment you can go get. And, and that helps you, again, build out your class variance narrative a little bit more. I mean, there's a lot of possibilities there. Yeah, I think so, too. And I I think that, uh, you know, there's a question here, too. Would you say that um, it helps lore wise having maybe specific, say, battle mage trainers? So you need to travel to, say, a divine node to get to see that trainer. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I I think get more. I'm a big proponent of there being reason to engage in the world. This is like something that a lot of games Specifically, if we want to talk MMORPGs, are just effing bombing at these days, right? right? A big part of the thing is you go look at you look at Arcage, right? Like Arcage is uh, Arcage and Chain, for example. Like I just feel like the main reason to log in is like it's daily login simulator, right? Daily login rewards, daily quests. Like these to me are not good reasons for you to incentivize someone to log into the game. If you know that, like, yo, I want to expand my knowledge as a tank, I understand that there's a specific cleric that teaches tanks the ways of the Lightbringer, and then I can go travel to them in this specific divine node to become a paladin. Like, that's meaningful. That that's, gives me reason to traverse the world, to go engage in the world, in the content, to travel it, and, and it, that's meaningful. Right. I want to expand upon my capability as a player with my class, with trade, with you name it. Like, I mean, one of the great things, one of the things World of Warcraft does really well, and some people may disagree with me on this, but one of the things that they did pretty good was like when the um, the outfit, the uh, what's it called? Transmutation or whatever it was called, not transmutation, um, transmute system whatever where you could turn you know you could go to the essentially the outfitter and you go look i've earned all these different uh 
these different items, the transmog station. Yes, thank you. you. You could go and you could go to this person and then you could make yourself look how you wanted to. And you could go collect sets from old dungeons and raids and you could collect pets that would drop and you could, you know, granted, there's a whole Pokemon thing where you can go and collect them and fight them and level them up and sell them and put them in cages and all that. That's kind of cool, though. It's still cool because there's a market. There's a, re a way to make money in the game. Then you can go and collect these pets from dungeons or a drop. You, you can go farm rare mounts and stuff like that. This is like replayability. If it's not your thing, it's not your thing. But for some people, it is. And it's a reason to play the game. And it's not related to a login bonus or a daily or any of that. It's stuff that exists in the world that you can do because you want to go do it. Because it's important to you for whatever your play style is. Um, and so for me, Ashes of Creation has one of the best opportunities to deliver upon that style of gameplay when it comes to reason to be online because of the world and the, the nodes are clearly a big part of that right social organizations will probably be a big part of that um the tavern boards i think as well um obviously progression content the caravan system crafting etc if they deliver upon all these key pillars of the game it's going to deliver in spades they just need to adhere to the vision the vision's solid they don't deviate from it they deliver upon it we've got a great opportunity here um but I'm, I'm reading a lot of things in chat, too. Um, you know, when you think of like uh, quests and things like that, I'm, I'm not a big fan of daily quests. I've never been. I can I can get behind it sometimes because it makes sense. But it's it's very I'm very selective on when it it, it seems to make sense um, when it's jump online and go do a daily because points and you can buy something with it. It. it it, to me, it sort of diminishes the meaningfulness of why I'm doing something regularly just because gameplay loop, it, it just doesn't work for me. Uh, you call my ADD, call it my age, uh, call. I'm just tired of bullshit, I guess. I, I just I want to jump on because of fun and good times and something interesting, um, not because grind it out because you want this thing and um, the only way to do it is this way and um that and we need you in the game so this is how we're going to get you to do it that that doesn't work for me not anymore yeah I, I totally agree there i mean yeah. daily quest grinds have been the bane of existence it's like i kind of maybe have some excitement the first couple of days just like a, something new but then after a while it just gets friggin' tedious and kind of one of the other things i was thinking about too and when you talked about engagement in the world and one of the things that has been a design choice, you know, more recently than not. And I definitely, you know, there's evidence that uh, Intrepid is not going that way, is yeah. leaning more heavily on instance content. Like, especially with your class fantasy quest. Yeah. I mean, even though the ones that I really enjoyed were not like instanced in the sense of like it was just me in the instance. I mean, I had to engage other people, I had to collaborate with other people to get something done. I mean, it was still in a dungeon instance, yes, but um, but it wasn't, you know, and it's kind of moved away from that. I mean, even just like getting, like say in Legion, right, getting, mm. um, you know, getting uh, my class sword, right? Uh, I was in an instance by myself, right? When others were on the same quest and not in the same instance. Um, so it, it, it just 
didn't feel again like it was made for an MMO. It was made for a single player experience. And I do yeah. hope that there is like it social interaction matters in the game. I mean, I think it if it doesn't, then it's gonna be a <laughs> a very brief uh brief uh candle that will burn out quickly if it doesn't have that right <laughs> so i mean i i think it's it's really it's really important that you do have reasons to engage in the world and go different places in the world and one of the points that was made up too is that you know for those that um secondary class choice you know you've got to make it you know accessible for players and i i do agree there but there's going to be certain factors you're not going to be able to control i mean player behavior is one of them yes um so if you do have to travel between nodes in order to accomplish a quest there's going to be danger involved um whether that be from you know monsters you know just as likely it'll be from players uh and so that's going to be the nature of the beast and it's you know as they said very from the start, one of their first videos is dangerous to go alone, right? So you do have to realize that this yeah. is going to be a social game. You are going to need to band together with people. There will be, you know, opportunities for you to do, you know, solo activity, I'm sure, like with the trades and so on. But at some point, you're still going to need to interact with other players. And I think that's going to be some change that, you know, some players really want and some players maybe that are interested in ashes aren't prepared for. Um, and that's the only thing that I would say is like, let's kind of balance that. Um, you know, the trumpet does a good job of balancing that to say, Hey, you know, be very clear on, you know, your interaction points, but don't turn it into like a hub world where people have to be in the same place all the time. And there's no reason to go elsewhere. And I, I know the node system will drive that change somehow, but I think there's got to be other things that, you know, force, I don't say force, let, let, let me rephrase that, that, that encourage players to venture out in the world and interact with the world and make it a populated world versus it being a capital city world. And then everything else is like, you rarely see a person. Oh, right. Yeah. Like this is the only place you see the people hanging out. Yeah, like Stormwind or Orgrimmar or something like that, or the new uh, the new expansion zone, which I think is a popular example, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody's hanging out in Dal, Teleron in like World of Warcraft because that's where the the new content's at. And then once that's done, everybody's hanging out in this next zone, right? Because that's where the new hub is at. You know, and so I think if you can kind of get away from creating this like specific new hub, making it to where you know something's accessible generally you know, anywhere. I mean, the reason to be hanging out here is because, like, I'm invested in the metropolis as I'm a citizen of this node. This is where I do my trade. Piggybacking off of uh, of all of that, I think talking about keeping crafting and, and trade relevant. We I did recently, the, the most recent, the last game guides on Ashes HQ for 2021 were the economy. We did a brief discussion on the economy and then the regional market, and that was our last two. Right now, I mean, they're general snapshots because that's what we got to work with right now. But you understand things like player stalls, caravans, right? You understand the regional marketplace essentially is going to be tied into uh, the acquisition of resources within the zone's node of influence. The importance of mayors creating alliances with other mayors to transport goods via caravans because 
one node is rich in one supply of it and the other one's rich in the other supply of the other thing. And they both need this to thrive. So meaningful sort of like agreements are made to, to ensure that this is something that can be delivered upon. Um, so how do you keep crafting and trade relevant? Because this is something that I, I saw was also outlined on the forums, talking about crafting player-driven economy. How do you make that work? Um, how do you keep it relevant? Well, I think number one, the number one thing there is make trade and crafting a vital importance to progression, period. No matter what you're talking about, you're talking about building ships, talking about components on caravans, you're talking about, um, you know, uh, node upkeep, you're talking about uh, the best gear in the game. We know you can get resources from the dungeons and raids and things like that, but make it, but you, they are crafted, aren't they? Boom. I want a sword. Well, we know that you can't be an all trait crafter like you can in some games. You play the Elder Scrolls online while it's, it's a very, that game is very much of convenience. And the crafting system is no, no different. You can become a nine trait crafter and everything on one character. I do it on my main. I could craft anything of, if I have the motifs of any style and I got nine, nine traits, I can get you any trait too. I've learned them all. Does it take time? Yes. But I don't really, as a player, I don't have to rely on anybody but me to make any of those things, period. And I can upgrade them all the way myself too with tempers, whatever. So number one thing is they're making crafting meaningful, which means you can't craft everything. You can't do the max of everything on one character. You're going to have to rely on the artisans, the master artisans, the people who are the, the ones that can make the best swords in the game, the best shields in the game, the, you know, maybe the best potions, maybe the best food, maybe whatever. So, I mean, that's that's how you keep it relevant. You got to go. Yeah. To them. yeah, I totally agree. I mean, that's that's all in great, like great feedback. And I it made me think of something else, too, when you were talking about resources and mm. trading resources, too. I mean, I think it would be really like neat way to help encourage interaction is if you have some sort of threat and that threat requires a rare resource and that rare resource might be in a specific area of the world um and in order to be effective against this threat you need to craft weapons and armor with that rare resource that again gives a purpose to conflict it maybe gives a purpose to interaction between players whether that's collaborative or conflicting right maybe there's at the end of this event anyone that gets within a certain progression gets some sort of reward right and that would create and potentially destroy alliances as well so mm. i think those are just certain things you can really use like you yeah. said just to keep trading and crafting relevant because you might want to have there might be different areas where this threat appears and the resource might be concentrated in neither of those areas. So you need to go to that central area to get mm. it. And you need to make sure that area that, you know, whatever crafting material you have gets to the respective nodes. You also need to make sure you've got 
crafters of a certain caliber at those respective nodes in order to mm. take care of that. So there's just a lot of possibility here to really make trading and crafting relevant without like it being um, a barrier. Like I want it to be something that feels natural. I think you mentioned that before, Sim, when we were talking yeah. about uh, things, it's, it's just got to be organic. It's not going to feel like, oh, it's a chore, right? We yeah. see something happening in the world and we need to band together to react to it as opposed to it being, oh, it's time for me to grind my dailies again so that we make sure that we don't, you know, our progress bar is higher than our enemy's progress bar. Mm. Just, that, yeah. that doesn't feel interesting to me. Yeah, that's boring, man. I mean, it's like, I just, I try to play most other MMORPGs and the only reason I can play The Elder Scrolls Online is because it disrespects my time. It makes it really easy for me to jump in, do whatever I want to real quick, and then I bounce, right? But it's also super good for casuals. Now, if, if I want to like, if I want to do something meaningful in an MMORPG, like there are plenty of fun things I can do there, right? But it's not, it's, it just simply is not going to deliver in the way Ashes is going to be capable of delivering. Mm -hmm. Like the reason to get on like for an objective outside of this more casual based objective that I might have. Yeah, I can jump on and do battlegrounds. Yeah, I can jump on and do trials. Yeah, I can jump on and do Cyrodiil PvP, right? But because I have so much access on my own to do a lot of the things without needing a like really having to rely on anyone else. It takes away the importance for the interaction with other people, which takes away from that Putting the massive in MMORPGs has been the putting the massive back in MMORPGs. That's, you know, one of the spiels with Ashes, isn't it? And, uh, you know, I, I like the idea of, uh, you remember the days of being the person in org that was like, you know, I, I did. Or for you, it was probably Stormwind because you were a filthy Stormwind. alliance. You know what I mean? But <laughs> filthy alliance. That's okay to be, <laughs> to be fair. I'm talking Orgrim Mars. There's mud huts and shit, so I can't really say a lot. Yeah, I know. It's like, I think I think somebody actually applied a broom to the stone, stone floor in Stormwind, buddy. Dude. No, but like, seriously, it was like sitting in the city and going, you know, posting in, in chat, in city chat and going... Um, enchanting your mats tips appreciated that was kind of a i kind of enjoy those days but you don't see that really anymore most of the time um it's the meaningfulness and the you know i mean even remember like uh i talk about it all the time like jewel crafters and blacksmithers used to have the ability you know i had two two choices for professions that became it, they removed it and and they it diminished the hard ass work I put in. I had to have an alt later. My death knight became my my uh my he would literally be my farmer of ore because I made my main do jewel crafting and blacksmithing. It was meaningful because I could socket for myself a couple extra slots, and as a jewel crafter, I could put my better jewel crafting gems in that only a jewel crafter can make and then a blacksmith was able to add those sockets for my jewel crafter to put you know what i mean and it took a lot of work to get to that point on both those specific professions and then one day they came along and they said these things are gone now and that sucked for me 
I didn't, I didn't have, I couldn't offer what I once was able to offer as uh, with those professions. I couldn't sit around anymore and do really specific things because they created alternatives to a person doing, you know, take away what I could do for me. Right. All the work that went into that to getting to that point was, it was diminished, man. They removed it. All that hard work to make sure that I could provide this for myself, gone. That was a very unique feature to that profession. And then to trivialize it even further, you couldn't really make this great of a thing anymore. Like these like really high quality items. You could make like what BOEs and stuff that you remember Wrath, you could make like I think bind on equip items. They had like frost resistance and stuff. And so if you went in, you wanted to do Oldowar, there was a specific boss. There was a frost fight. It was really helpful. It was also really helpful in Ice Crown Citadel because of Cinder Ghost and stuff. And then after that expansion, these types of items that you could craft, just you couldn't do them anymore. Now, the real, only real reason to like craft for quite a while was like, uh, I guess it'll help me to like, Gear my paladin up along the way and like have something decent to go into heroic dungeons. I mean, I could go on a rant about this and how it ties into dungeon grinding to level up all like later, but this is going to be a bigger conversation probably for the LFM podcast this week. Cause it seems like a really good rant to talk about for a good half hour, but um, you know, then it trivialized the, uh, the alt that I had that actually went to do the farming of ore because now it didn't really matter. I could just do without my profession anyway. It didn't matter a whole lot anymore. Um, so anyway, sim rant, but this is what not to do when we talk about what are some pitfalls to avoid. Don't trivialize the meaningfulness of crafting. Can you think of any other pitfalls? I mean, like just in general, I think just along those lines, it's it's a matter of as developers, you just really need to think ahead. It's one of the things that I feel like consistently mm. happens with with WoW, right? Because yeah. that's where I've got most of my experience, you know, recently has been WoW. But it, it just feels like it's the same formula each expansion. And it feels like choices aren't really thought through. Mm. Um, and there's a lot of backpedaling. And that's not to say that you're going to always get it right every single time you make a choice, yeah, but sure. really kind of think ahead on what the longevity of a choice you're making is. Be measured about it before you go in and put in a system. So I'm, you know, I'm very, um, I'm very hopeful that a borrowed power design will never be in Ashes of Creation. I hope it isn't. Um, because that has been, in my opinion, the beginning of the end of a lot of the systems in World of Warcraft. And then specifically with, mm. like you were saying, with um, with crafting, uh, the the relevance, it's like, I don't want to spend all this time and effort just to make leveling gear that I'm just going to throw away. I think even like an additional thing that they did with legendaries, right? First, it was like the Oprah method where everybody gets a freaking legendary. Then it was you can get a legendary and you have some dependency on crafters per se to get some of the base parts. But ultimately, a crafting of a legendary is completely, you know, the end end part of it is just you have you go somewhere and you yourself can make it. You don't 
while you might need somebody mm. for all the various components, you don't need somebody that actually has spent their time becoming a legendary crafter to make that weapon. And again, it just gets to this to a point at which having a legendary doesn't really mean anything because everybody's got a legendary. Exactly. So, um, I mean, I'm, I too recall the time when having certain crafting professions gave you perks, right? And and I think that mm. would be important to have. I think you should get perks the deeper you get into a crafting tree. And so I hope Same. in Ashes, right, that's what it is. Individualized, right? Like individualized exactly, perks. Exactly. Yeah. It's like if I really, really want to be the best damn swordsmith in Vera, then I want to be able to see a path to do that. And it may take me several months. It may take a lot of materials. It may take a lot of coordination with friends and guildmates and you know other people other crafters in the world but mm. i mean i want that to be a real possibility and something um i believe it was god got food in in chat had mentioned being able to brand your um your yes. products i would love to see that back in the game i would Same. love to be able to see like Again, this is this is the the dreamer talking, but right. with Unreal Five, I would love to see an ability to not only put your name like in whatever hover text you get with this with a weapon or a piece of armor. I would love to be able to see designs that you could put on there. Something that says, "Oh, you know, shit, Sim made this Emblems? set of armor because it's got oh, like yeah. these." Like, like it's got like some sort of design on it that's yes. unique, right? Um, I would love to see something like that. Maybe there's some sort of like way to be able to generate um like similar to like a guild crest, but generate like a specific design and then mm -hmm. be able to upload it to the game. And I'm not talking about like somebody necessarily drawing something and uploading it, because there's a lot of policing you need to do with that. But even if there is like some sort of like design creator on the website that you can use to be able to build okay this i want to put this on every sword i do and this is how it's going to look and kind of that kind of thing again this is not launch stuff this right. is like future that i would say would be really neat is to be able to do that or even have like specific things you can do the more um experienced you get in like a particular crafting profession like okay if only at like an artisan or master artisan tier can I do a sword design that looks like this or a shield design that looks like that. Yeah. Um, just being again, being able to say like and like see someone and you don't necessarily have to really inspect them to say, OK, hey, I recognize that design. I've seen it on other people. Hey, who designed that? Oh, yeah, it was Sim or it was Daedalus or whoever it was. Right. Being able to to see the uniqueness and have that be another way people can not only have like, I mean, we've been talking about class identity for the first part of the podcast. I mean, having some sort of crafting identity, I think would also be great too to be able to do that. Um, and you can translate to that to like visual things. You can also translate that to potions as well. And alchemy. I mean, you might have like a tincture that has an added bonus. The more you get into like, deeper into the crafting tree you know you might be able to gather more or rarer materials as an herbalist I and mean, there's all different possibilities you can do to really make progressing rewarding and keep it rewarding 
right? Without necessarily doing stuff that breaks the game, right? The key thing I think that happened in WoW is, you know, people just ended up focusing on these professions that could give certain optimal bonuses and they ignored everything else, yeah. right? There's still ways True. to kind of make those perks like real and important to, you know, crafters and not necessarily make them game breaking per se. Yeah. And in World of Warcraft, there was a period when <clears throat> like not only was there gear that could be crafted or like, you know, there's like the individualized sort of um, things that you're talking about. And I talked about, but there were like, you know, components that you could craft that like another profession needed. I thought that was actually like, what was it? Transmutation. You could take like a certain bar and you could like enchant it or transmute something. You get a specific uh, type of like ingot. And then that would have to be then utilized by a blacksmith to craft something for some really good gear. So like the interaction that was occurring between the professions on that, on that like basic level, um, I think was really important because you need someone who could transmute it. You know, and I think even within that, there was like two, it was like two different sort of pathways you could go with transmutation wasn't there. It's similar to like how within engineering, you had gnomish or goblin, you had like mm -hmm. two types of uh, uh, transmutation, you know, ways you could go with like alchemy um, or whatever. And transmute was like one of them. And then it would help you with that. So, you know, they, they had it, they, they were in the right ballpark for a long time. Um, but yeah, I totally agree with you. And uh and with the emblem system in ashes, I mean, if they, you know, if, if the modular design approaches the way that they're going, which is what it's been looking like for a long time. Even just being able to go look I've, uh, at my account, I can upload maybe three emblems. Minimal work for the team to have to approve. Maybe I can do them only so often. But maybe as a GM, I got like, all right, cool. So I've uploaded three crests or emblems. One's from my guild and that's our guild crest. Boom. One's like for my profession stuff. Maybe I got my stamp that pops up. Maybe the other one's like freehold related or something or specific for me only um, that I can visually show off. I mean, yeah, even something as basic as that, I think could be very interesting, but you get a lot of achievement out of things like this. You know, there's a lot of opportunities for achievement and prestige. Um, I think that's going to be the final discussion point I wanted to hit on today, which was, Something else I'd seen in the forums, which was like, we don't we haven't talked about it in a while. I mean, I do talk about it. We do bring it up. Um, but the achievement system for Ashes. What are do's and don'ts for you, man? Like, I, I think we're no one's going to we're not all going to agree on the same thing here. But what's your idea of a, of a solid achievement system that works for you as a player with or without alts? Um. You know, definitely, I feel it's important. Um, like, in, like what we've talked about before uh, here is it's important that they're relevant. I mean, it's obviously it's like just when you talk about like a pet battle system or, you know, what have you, right? There's it's always going to be a choice on whether or not a player wants to invest time in it. But I think there should be. I I like the idea of rewards and we're talking about like crafting and it kind of made me think of that a bit as as you were wrapping that up. But as an achievement of reaching certain levels of crafting, I mean, it would be great to be able to do, you know, pretend I don't want to say elaborate because that maybe is is has different connotations, different people, but get unique things to be able to do with your crafts. So if I get a certain achievement mm -hmm. as, you know, a swordsmith, I might be able to make 
two or three different custom hilts, right? Or yeah. acquire them somehow um, by doing, you know, doing certain quest lines as a crafter. Similar to, like, one thing that I do really enjoy about certain achievements that I've gotten in, like, you know, other games like World of Warcraft has been some sort of title, right? I think that would be good. Yeah. Um, some sort of, again, unique cosmetic. Um, those would be, again, things that aren't just game aren't game breaking per se, but also add flavor to the world gives you something to shoot for other than just racking up achievement points. So for my, in my opinion, I don't want achievements just to be, Oh yeah, I got this achievement, you know, and that's it. That's kind of the end state of it. Um, I mean, I don't think there should be like a million titles and a million cosmetics in the game either, but at least make like whatever, path that is progress to something mm. unique whether that's a title whether that's a cosmetic or something um or it could be maybe a buff for a period of time too um or maybe some sort of bonus in a certain area as well like um or potentially i don't know being able to um negotiate better with merchants and get slightly more coin right it doesn't necessarily have to be like something huge and big but just something to say hey these are certain things that i've done in the game so that would be like a definite do for me um i think from a don't perspective i just i would like to minimize the grinding with anything i don't like grinding i'd never have like grinding type of gameplay um occasionally i might like do it just because i'm bored and i need something mindless to do but it's not what gets right. me out of bed in terms of playing an mmo i want to be able to so i would say you know if, that's not to say that i don't want difficult achievements that take time invested in order to get done but i just don't want the, the path of those achievements be a, the same repetitive task over and over. It's my same argument with daily quests, right? Is I don't want an achievement for doing a thousand or a hundred thousand daily quests. No. Right. I mean, that doesn't make sense to me. It's not interesting to me. If I get it, I'm like, Oh, okay. So yeah, I guess I, you know, spent so much time on this that I finally got something out of it that didn't really mean anything to me. Right. It doesn't help me like in any way in my character, either like from a class fantasy perspective or an RP perspective or whatever. So I guess from my, my, um, my thought is don't make it grindy, you know, make it build on, you know, um, make it build on itself so that it does feel like you're progressing towards something, give, you know, unique rewards. Uh, those are kind of probably like the main things that I can think of. Yeah, I think um, I'm a as someone who enjoys playing alt uh, with understanding that alt characters and ashes of creation. It's not like you're just going to be able to power level your alt up in a day, right? It, it's it's probably going to be a month, two months easy for a character down the road to level up an alt or whatever, like for you to get an alt. I and, and, you know, with the question there in chat about like, you know, professions, I mean, it, your choices, your character progression path and all that's like that is unique to your character. And I respect that. I respect earning an achievement that is, you know, it, this is character bound. Like I got this. um I don't remember Lord of War title in World of Warcraft. 
from going into the stinking arena and having to be the last person standing out of like, I don't remember, 30 people or something crazy. And it's freaking hard, dude. I don't think I should be able to rock that title on my alt characters. I think that's bound to my character I did it on. I'm cool with it. But in regard to, let's say you've got 20,000 achievement points that are possible in the game on your account. I like being able to be logged in and see all of my achievements. If some of them are unlocked by one character, right? And they're bound to him. That's cool. But let me have all those points on my total. I like an account wide achievement system, right? I like the points being allocated. If I've unlocked them on my account, if I can't rock a title, cause I didn't get it on that character. Fine. I totally understand. I think some things like a mount, a pet, a title, uh, a tabard even, uh, a gear outfit being locked to a character who specifically grinded and earned it. Fair enough, I'm cool with it. But speaking to the total amount of points, elements specifically, I really would appreciate that being an account-wide thing. Now, I know previously that wasn't planned. That's not part of the, the dream. I'm hoping it one day will be because if... For example, one day I've let's say I, I, I'm somebody that as a as a player has been online grinding a certain amount of achievement points. If one day I choose to change mains. Like I understand something specific to my class, my character I might have earned. I can't have that same level of prestige attached to all my characters. And I respect that. I'm just speaking to the points part. If I change mains and I decide to do the work on this character and I'm unlocking things, I, while I may not be able to use certain titles, et cetera, because they are bound to a character, I'd still like my uh, achievements to be showcased for an account. I think Guild Wars 2 does a good job of this. I think they're the ones that do a pretty good job of this achievement system I'm talking about, where it's like, because I can go and I can jump on and my like, this is specific to PvP rank. I'm not saying it has to apply to PvP rank, but when you hop on your, you know, you're, you're in PvP or whatever, it feels fluid. Like, I know I don't have the same things. I haven't unlocked the same things, but I sort of have like the same rank in this system, no matter what character I'm on. So I think it would be really nice if like achievement points specifically were an account wide thing and the achievements were done account-wide, but if you didn't earn it on that character, you can't rock it on that character. That would be, for me, my idea of, like, a do, please. Because if one day I decide to change characters, I'll know if I don't have something I need to get it because I want to rock that title, if it's possible on my character. It would just be nice to not feel like I, you know, want to play an alt. I changed my mind one day and now like, but I can't be like, Hey, I've got X amount of achievement points. I feel like it diminishes it somehow for me. Um, I know I don't want everything to be like completely across the board utilized by every single character, but I think the points number specifically, that's one thing I think that just needs to be a count. Um, I think world of Warcraft tried to do this. You know, like try to do this like account wide achievement thing, but it didn't really work. Um, and I think one good example was like, and I think this is where like a person's name is important, like a character name is important on things. 
like if you do that and you got like achievements and you got like a meta achievement, like there's 10 achievements in this raid and you completed the 10 achievements, specific ones for bosses, et cetera, different conditions. You got done with it and then you um, got a mount, right? On World of Warcraft, you could use the mount, but like, what if I wanted to go and do it on another character? It was actually really tell, tough to tell on that character because I saw that it was done and I know I had done parts of it, but it was really tough for me to actually tell on the achievement which ones I was missing if I wanted to unlock it on this character too. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So I think being able to like have like, you know, you got all the points, but it's grayed out when you look at it on this character and the ones you've unlocked are like sort of illuminated because you've gotten them done on this person. If you played World of Warcraft, you probably know what I'm talking about. Um, so I think something like that would work really well, um, in my opinion. Wish I had a ref- visual references to show off for everybody, but you know, maybe yeah, I, mean, I see what you're saying. It's like you want um, like a per character kind of progress to say, okay, yeah. I've achieved X, Y, Z on this character. Yep. But you can say maybe it's like, I don't know, a check mark or an X, right? Depending on which character you have, if you have multiple. Look at it. Mm-hmm. And I agree with you. I mean, I'm an altaholic by nature, and I can definitely see like that being quite tempered in Ashes of Creation, at least initially. Like once I've gotten to a certain point, like really gotten to a certain point, I may look at it. But I know the leveling experience is going to be much more... Um, well, much less like, you know, your WoW experience where you like have all these ways to really speed up that process and they don't want leveling to be relevant necessarily after your first character. I mean, every expansion, there's character boost to say, OK, if you want to change your main, well, don't worry, you'll get a free, um, you know, character boost to boost an alt up to whatever the base level should be to start this new expansion Mm. which i think is good and convenient for folks that maybe want to play more casually but still i mean i think uh i would be i wouldn't necessarily be supportive of doing something like that in ashes of creation yeah um i think there's other ways to accomplish that camaraderie versus just giving somebody a boost i mean they talked about a mentoring system of some sort i think there's definitely ways for that um i wouldn't necessarily say scaling but at least uh like we talked about earlier on the podcast is making all zones somehow relevant so that a higher level player has every reason to come to zone a as a starting player would uh to be able to have that interaction between different levels of players um and and different levels of progress too i think there's other ways around it than versus like you know an i win button you know i was actually thinking of a really good example i got two good examples right and this is this is why i think this is important okay i have multiple characters and i was always trying to go Years after this existed into Moncor to get that stupid freaking legendary mace. I already got with the wind seeker, right? You had to get two pieces to drop for that to craft and do the quest. Fine. I was farming it on my main for years. Third time in, I got the parts for my warrior. There's an achievement that you get when you do this. And those points for someone who's a completionist count. They matter. 
all right, I get that I can't rock it on my main because it's locked to my, my other character. Cool. I got the Hand of Ragnaros to drop. I could craft it. This is another good example of where the transmutation thing actually mattered with those bars, too, because you actually need those for to craft it, specific ones. So here's the thing, right? My warrior freaking got Thunder Fury, or what was it called? Is it Thunder Fury? Thunder Fury, yeah, Thunder Fury. And, and the Hand of Ragnaros, right? To be fair, he, him as a warrior, it makes sense for him. He was rocking. He was dual wielding those, I think it was, for a while there. He's running around. I had him on my back, and I was like, yeah. It's mostly for fun, but I got the achievements for it, right? I get that I can't use them on my main character, my ten, my paladin, right? I get that I can't do that. Just let those points show up overall for the account, no matter what character I'm on. Same thing for the quick cap in Warsong Gulch. I got that on my druid in kitty form. I grabbed the flag and I ran it back and capped it within a certain amount of time. And you had to do it that way. I tried and tried and tried. I used speed potions. I used everything you could think of. I always get freaking stunned trying to bring the damn flag back from the freaking alliance tent to mine over on the horde side. I get there with one second shy every damn time on my best run. I just can't manage to get it. So I don't have the points, but my freaking druid kitty got it, right? Um, this is what I'm saying. I get that he accomplished it. It's cool. Just let my overall account reflect my overall accomplishments. Right? So I'm sitting there on sense, my, yeah. you know what I mean? So I'm sitting there on my main. It, 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 it makes it also really hard to go. I want, because I'm looking at ashes right now. And I'm going to tell you right now. Two characters at the most. You know why? Because right now, the plans are no achievement that's account-wide stuff, right? So I'm going, I'm just playing one character. I'm just doing one character. I'm not doing this to myself because I'm going to get in a position where I'm going to circumstantially on an all-day accomplish something I now don't have on my main, and it's going to bother the shit out of me. Then I'm going to feel like I can't play my alts in fear of not accomplishing said achievement on my main. That is a real thing for me as a completionist. Right? Makes sense. Yeah. It's like, anyway, Sim rant two of the day. You're welcome. Like, I don't know what to say. I didn't expect these things to get brought up specifically, but there they are. And there you go. But this is, these are some of the things that when we look, I think when you look at other games as a reference point, they provide really good insight into some of the things that we as players, when you think of like respecting a person's time, this is kind of one of those things that I, I believe is I was much more, I, I was more logged into the game more frequently on all characters when things like these started to, or did exist. Right. And it goes back to, well, you want people in your world for the right reasons in your game, right? These right. for me, for some of the reasons and some of the things that um, reinforced me being logged in more frequently because I was enjoying my time there versus it feeling like a chore or a character was left out or my work was diminished or not actually allocated well or accurately. Just my ideas. It's kind of where I'd like to leave the, you know, for the people that end up watching this, listening to it, we've made some reference points. We've had some conversations. Definitely interested to hear where other people lie on these topics and discussion points um that being said can you think of anything 
that we might have left off on that we could be chatting about here on these points today, Daedalus? No, I can't think of anything else. I mean, I think it's a good discussion and great um, engagement from the folks uh-huh. in chat as well. I mean, I, a lot of discussion going on as well, so that's good. Absolutely. And uh, friends, Happy New Year. First podcast of 2022. Um, in usual format, I'm going to let Daedalus go and shout out his domain so you all know where to find him when he's not here on this podcast with me. All right, you can find me on Twitter at The Ashen Herald and on YouTube, youtube.com slash C slash The Ashen Herald. I'm going to encourage everybody once again, go over to our iTunes, give us a five-star review, leave us some love, leave a comment. We'll read it here on the show if you do. Be super helpful. Um, as always, a reminder, you don't have to be on this show to be a Pathfinder. You're here in the chat. You're listening to it on your way to work. You're watching it on YouTube. You're dropping a comment. You're part of the journey. You are a Pathfinder. So much love to all of you, to Intrepid Studios. Until next week, friends, live your best lives. Walk in the light. Have a great night. We'll see you again real soon. Take care, everyone.